Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is the Street Smart Spirituality Hour, and we have been having such a phenomenal time and response right here on bbsradio.com. You know, uh, I have to tell you that I have been so totally jazzed about today's show. We are going to really take the marker and really, really lift the roof here because we have a conversation uh, about to happen that is about gods in the garden. And with me, joining me in this show, is a phenomenal individual, someone who is not afraid to come out and speak the truth, not afraid to say the real deal, what's going on. And then you take this individual, my guest, Kevin Smith, and Dr. Pat, and you put us on the same radio show, I'm telling you, you better be sitting close to the dial tonight. So I want to introduce Kevin. He is the host of the international talk radio show, of course, The Kevin Smith Show. He is heard all across the world, and the show is primarily focused on paranormal, the strange, and the unexplained. Kevin has spent most of his life in law enforcement. He served as a deputy sheriff, a city police officer, and an international police officer. And so all of this has taken him to places across the globe. He has traveled to countries like Bosnia, uh, Spain, Italy, Macedonia, Albania, Bulgaria, Romania, Netherlands, Germany, Australia, and many others. He now comes to the table and in a way through radio that allows him to touch people in all of those countries and beyond by taking a lifelong interest of his in the strange and the unexplained. It has propelled Kevin to view the paranormal from a little different perspective, and you're going to hear lots about that today. His view of the paranormal is that we only call it paranormal because we do not yet understand it. And by the way, that is my view. All of this is in the language. You ask a, you know, you ask a young crystal child about what he or she sees, and you will be given a new world of possibilities. Kevin has an amazing uh, life that he has chosen to live. He is a writer, producer, radio host, public speaker, and now is coming to the air tonight with us talking about his book, Gods in the Garden. Kevin, thank you so much for joining the show today. Well, Dr. Pat, thank you for allowing me to be here. I, I count it a great privilege. Well, let's start right out by your understanding and your reframing, let me call it, of what people generally call paranormal. I mean, the X-Files, the Z-Files, who knows what files. But I would love for you to share your perspective with our listeners and why that you think paranormal is not yet understood. Well, if you just, I happen to be, uh, I happen to be kind of an old guy. They invented me right after dirt. <laughs> so uh, I've seen a lot of changes. Now, if you just go back and think back a few years, uh, let's just go back, say, um, uh, 30 years ago. Now, that's for some people, that's their whole life, but that's not very long in the in the scheme of things. Right. You go back 30 years ago. And if I told you that I have a box that I can put frozen food in and that I can, in a matter of two or three minutes, have a full meal cooked, uh, people would have thought that was nuts. You can't do that. You know, uh, people were still cooking with gas and electric stoves and 
and that's uh, if you had electric, you were you're at the top of the technology rung there, and um, so uh, you know if I described what we all use every day now, the microwave, if I described it 30 years ago and said I can do that, if I then did it, uh, there are people who would. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people would have been amazed, but unfortunately there would have been a lot of people who would have uh, come out with all kinds of speeches, essays, and sermons about me comporting with the, the powers of darkness and um, that I was, uh, I was using some kind of strange magic. Well, they would have viewed it as occult or paranormal um, at that time. And uh, the very first ones that came out were as big as a refrigerator, and they were created for NASA. But now we have them in virtually every home. Um, the same thing was true when, whenever uh, the first matches were invented. It was an amazement for people. They thought it was magical power. Well, there are things out there in our universe, all around us, I should not say out there, but there are things all around us that are realities. Um, they, they, it's going on second by second, and, and it has been since the beginning of time. As we encounter those things and become aware of them, at first we don't understand them. And they are outside the realm of our normal experience. Therefore, they are paranormal. Uh, the more familiar we become with them, the more we understand them, the more we realize that's normal. It's not paranormal. It should be normal. And actually, uh, my book, Gods in the Gardens, uh, Gods in the Garden, touches on why it's that way. Well, you know, Kevin, one of the things that um, uh, that I love uh, about what you're doing is that you're bringing a conversation to the table that so many people are really hungry uh, to have. Uh, and I say that because um, I'm sure you're in radio. Of course, you're the host of the Kevin Smith Show. And I know that you must be seeing, as I am, the wide range of books, movies now coming out, that are really ready to take on the conversation of what is creation about, what is life, what is heaven, what is God, and all of this in this what seems to be an overnight explosion. Why do you think this is happening? Yeah. I'm sorry? Why is it happening? In your perspective, I'd love to hear your view, because I know you're seeing this as well. One of the things I think that's going on, uh, I, th- I think there are several streams that okay. are producing that result. One one stream that's producing that result is that we are becoming, uh, as a people, just all over the earth, we are becoming very astute uh, technologically. And so we see that a lot of the things that we used to be in awe of are really the products of very high technology that someone has, someone had, um, for instance, uh, cloning a human. Right. Uh, we're, we're right on the doorstep of doing that. And we know we have the technology to do it. It's not so amazing to us anymore. Uh, that's one reason. Uh, another reason is if people who are 
uh, in you know people that, that talk about the year 2012. Now, some of them say it's going to be a year of tremendous disaster, uh, worldwide cataclysmic natural disaster. <clears throat> I, I don't know. Other people say that all that's going to be is that the world, the entire planet, will ascend into a higher vibration, and that our consciousness is being made more alive as we approach that date. Um, it seems to me there may be something to that. Uh, I'm not real sure, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying that's a scientific fact. But there certainly is something uh, that is causing people to be much more conscious of consciousness. And, you know, uh, so I, I think both of those work together. You know, uh, that's what your book does. I mean, I've, I've read some of the testimonials, and I've read the book, and I've got it in front of me, as a matter of fact, and you really allow us to live in the question. Uh, for those of you that are just tuning in, uh, let me remind you that you are absolutely welcome to join us today. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is our Street Smart Spirituality Hour. I'm here with internationally acclaimed radio host Kevin Smith, and we're talking about his breakthrough book, Gods in the Garden. And, you know, that book, uh, that title of that book, Kevin, really talks to what you and I are just talking about. It really talks to the, the idea that people are living in the question right now. Was that your intention, A, in naming the book and in writing the book? Yes, uh, absolutely my intention. Uh, it, it, look, uh, let me give you an example real quick. All right. Let's say that from the day of your birth, you were taught that you're a kangaroo. Mm. Okay? Yeah. That's all you ever knew. That's right. And everybody that you know, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, all the neighbors around, everybody in every city, all believes that they're kangaroos, and you've been taught that you're a kangaroo. And you've been taught what you must do as a kangaroo to be a really good one. So that at the time when you finally die, um, you will go to kangaroo paradise. Well, that's all you ever knew. That's all you ever heard. You accepted it. Everybody accepts it. Why can't you see? All of us are kangaroos. Well, then one day you decide that you've heard a lot of talk about this kangaroo holy book, and you've decided that you're going to read it for yourself. So you get it off of the shelf, and you sit down and read it, and it absolutely astounds you because it actually comes right out and says you're not a kangaroo. Very plainly, it, it comes right out and says it. You're not a kangaroo. Ah. Now you decide you know, there's a lot of confusion now in your mind, and so you decide you're going to talk to mom about it. <laughs> so you go to talk to mom, and you ask mom, well, what about this? You know, in the book it says I'm not, and you say we are. What, what's the deal here? Uh, she gets very angry that you would even question it. So um, you decide to go talk to Dad. And when you talk to Dad, he not only becomes angry, he pulls the holy book off the shelf, waves it in your face, and says, uh, you know, you, you are living in violation of everything we hold holy. Here, you just read this and then go repent of being crazy. Of course we're kangaroos. Well, what he's shaking in your face is the very book that told you that you're not a kangaroo. Mm. You now have a dilemma. The problem is you have to decide that book has no value at all. It's a fiction. It's a lie. Or you have to decide that book is true, 
And all of society is living in a fiction and a lie. It's one or the other. Now that's the precise circumstance that we find ourselves in in the uh, world today, especially in the West. The West considers themselves, and especially America, to be uh, founded somewhat on Christian principles. There's no denying that, that much of Western civilization owes uh, its shape, its form, uh, to a lot of Christian thought, Christian principles. Uh, it has influenced the formation of many of our laws right, right. And, and our society and so forth. Here's the problem. Okay. You've been taught from the time you were born that you're a human. That's your problem. That's right. Not you, not you personally, but you rhetorically. We. That's our problem. Because that holy book, the Bible, comes right out and says, that's not true. It tells us we're something else. But we've been taught that we are humans. Uh, religionists are like bad. And they shake that book in our face and say, of course you're, you're human. You're just human. You're, you're a lowly human. You're a sinful human. And you need us religionists to tell you how to get to heaven. Right. When intuitively in, a, in, in so many people, especially, let's call it, you know, the pre uh let's call it pre-simulation, pre-before-you-assimilate to something that's already existed. Intuitively, when we, we come into, uh, into being, you know, there is a spark that would say that we are greater than, quote, the definition that, that humans have given to us. <laughs> that, that's true. We all know there's something more. And uh, what happens if you think, let's go back to the kangaroo thing. If you go around the world thinking that you're a kangaroo and you try to live and act like a kangaroo, you will always know that you're missing something, that, that you're, you're not quite there. This is not quite satisfying. Um, I mean, you know, you, you can eat berries and grass with the best of them <laughs> and you can pop, but, uh, you know, this is not quite right. Well, people all over the world look at themselves. They listen to what they've been told about what we are, where we came from, and what we're supposed to be about. And it's kind of like being that kangaroo. We, we say, you know, this just isn't quite right. Uh -huh. This doesn't fit. And um, now I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that everyone should believe that Genesis is right. What I am saying is that Especially for people, and in, in, in America, we've got lots of people, something like 65%, who say they believe the Bible is the Word of God. Okay, if you're going to wave that at us, if you're going to say that it's the Word of God, if you're going to say that it has no error, then let's at least get the story straight. Let's go with what does it say, not what does someone what, what, what did someone tell you that it means? What does it say? So, um, you, you know, the, 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 there's a difference. See, now, uh, I, I get email uh, on both sides of the fence. People love the book or people hate the book. I haven't gotten anything in the middle, and I wouldn't expect to. But I get email where people say, well, you can interpret the Bible to make it say whatever you want it to say. 
Yes, you can, and that's exactly what the theologians have done. Exactly. They have interpreted it. In my book, I don't. In my book, all we do is translate. It says what it says. So if Genesis says the sky is blue, my book says right here it says the sky is blue. And that's it. We take it. We take the words and we look at the words and what do they say, not what does someone say they mean. What has the backlash been? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Here, <laughs> you're coming out and you're really presenting something which is quite controversial to a lot of uh, a lot of people, especially to uh, you know leaders in the in, in the in the Christian community. Well, yes. Uh, now. I have received some email mm -hmm. uh, that uh, has been very angry. Uh, I have received some. Uh, one guy wrote to me before the book was even published. I just announced that it was coming out. And uh, I gave that little synopsis that says, um, you know, you're, you're not who you thought you were, and you didn't get here the way you thought you did. And Genesis tells the story of how it all happened. I got an email from a guy who said, um, man, I just hope God forgives you for this. Take me off of your mailing list. I don't ever want to hear you again. So I read it on my show, and uh, <laughs> I said, you hope God forgives me for what? For reading Genesis? That's all we do in my book. We read it. Most people think they know the creation story, and they've decided, uh, lots of people have decided, even Christians, have decided, well, that's just kind of fiction. It didn't really happen that way. You're exactly right. If that's your attitude about the creation story and, and your attitude is it didn't happen that way, you are exactly right. But i got to tell you something. The creation story that you've been hearing from churches for centuries is not in Genesis. It's fiction. Well, Genesis has a creation story, but the one we've been hearing is fiction. So the backlash has been, you know, I don't want to see you, I don't want to hear you, I don't want to talk to you. I've had some people in my family angry, and uh, they still talk to me, but they're angry about it. Um, but then the overwhelming majority of the email that I get is very uh, excited and, and supportive and positive. Well, uh, you know, for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Street Smart Spirituality Hour here with me, Dr. Pat Basili, part of the Dr. Pat Show, and Kevin Smith, of course, internationally uh, internationally known radio uh, show, talk radio show host, and of course the host of the Kevin Smith Show. We're talking about his new book, Gods in the Garden, and we're just giving you a little background right now about the book, about uh, what some of the challenges are when you come out and you start to question things, uh, you know, I've, I've watched very recently, um, um, Kevin, very interesting dynamic, very interesting dynamic I find in the news. And let me get a little, you know, let me get a little trivial here. Let me, let me get to this place where I mentioned something totally to most people, mostly insignificant. But let's take a guy like Tom Cruise for a minute. In the media, up until about a year ago, maybe even less than a year ago, um, totally embraced and loved by people all over the world. Mm -hmm. Then he comes out very strongly when War of the Worlds uh, entered the scene, and he starts to talk about Scientology. Yeah. And he starts to challenge and question things. Now, if you even mention Scientology to most people, 
they immediately go to that cult thing. So here you are with people, certainly people that I wouldn't have expected to start to bring things to the surface to allow for more questioning. Along with this questioning comes, you know, the controversy, the Da Vinci Code, the Celestine Prophecy, uh, even Peaceful Warrior. I mean, all of these things that are happening, these movies, these books, your book, are now coming to the forefront. In writing your book, and as I look through the table of contents, and we'll go over some of this in a minute, what do you hope, what do you hope for the people that read it? Freedom. We, um, we don't know this word anymore. No, we don't. Boy, we, we're getting to know it less and less every day, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can take me and set me in the middle of an open field in the great wide open Midwest in the plains where there's nobody else around for miles and miles and miles. And it tell me, you're free to do whatever you want to do. I'm still not free if my mind is welded to the floor. So long as I'm not free in my mind, then uh, I don't know how to live free. Even if I have no other restrictions on me, I'm still in a prison, uh, the prison of, of a very limited mind. Um, my book, one of the things that I, I use a lot in my book is a statement of Jesus. And the reason is, of course, we're dealing, I'm dealing with the book of Genesis, which is in the Bible. Right. And I'm dealing with it from the standpoint that I, it is absolutely my position that theologians and religionists are the enemies of freedom. And they are the enemies, listen very carefully to how I say this, they are the enemies of the minds of people who follow them. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Therefore, if I know, I, there's a difference between knowing and believing. If I know, then I don't need to believe. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in beer cans? Absolutely. <laughs> well, there's no need to. They do exist. Absolutely. And, and we know they exist. So I don't have to believe they exist. I know they exist. Do you believe in Volkswagens? Do you believe in doorknobs? No, well, I don't believe in those things. I know those things. Well, it's they the old exist. show me I'm from Missouri. <laughs> but the point is, I can show you a doorknob. Exactly. And so when you know, you no longer have to believe. You now know. So you're free. If you, What are you free from? Well, you're free from the need of a religionist to tell you what you've got to do to be a good kangaroo. It's really, you know, I, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I, I, I speak to a lot of people, and I know you do as well. What, and I have a lot of compassion for people that are really going through this questioning process right now. Uh-huh. I really do. And the reason that I do is because for so many people, they would love to be in the question and really be able to look at uh, what they thought was the truth, but look at it in a slightly different way, a way that feels more natural and more intuitive to themselves, to themselves right? Uh-huh. The dilemma is that, especially if you come like me, if you are brought up as Catholic, 
if you really uh, have with you this sense that by looking at this fact, uh, this, reading this book, even the very, the, the, the very notion of me buying the book and looking at it creates this enormous uh, penalty for me mm-hmm. and penance, so to speak, because just looking at the book is a sin. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, reading Harry Potter is a sin. Mm-hmm. So how do we resolve uh, the dilemma uh, that goes on within an individual that is longing for the exploration, wants to hear you talk about the chapter, the longer, uh, the longer you're wrong, or, or wants to explore this with you in Chapter 5, who is the creator? Mm-hmm. What do we say well, to people in the spirit of this book? Because I know okay. you addressed this in the book. What do yeah. we say to those folks? Let, let me pose the answer as a question for people to think about okay. logically. Let's say that I can show you in your own Bible, because you're comfortable with your own Bible. Let's say that I can show you in your own Bible that you carry to church with you, that it specifically says that what your church is telling you about where we came from and how it all happened is wrong. It specifically says that's fiction. If I could show that to you, which would you believe, your church or your Bible? Now, the fact is I can show you that, okay, in verse 1 of the Bible. In one verse, I can show you that the church is not telling you the truth about the creation story. All right, let's but, do it. Okay, but let me finish this. Okay. If then you now have that, that question posed and you say, okay, I would believe the Bible. If you do, if you turn toward believing what it says, you will be turning your back on centuries of so-called Christian theology. Right. And they will say you're turning your back on God. Let me ask you, what does that say about your church and its relationship to the God that is portrayed in that Bible if turning to the Bible causes them to say you've turned your back on God? So um, there, there is a bit of trepidation. Uh, for people who have never seriously considered that their church has been teaching them fiction. Um, But uh, there's some trepidation. However, if you continue to follow what what I'm calling fiction, and it turns out actually to be fiction, you had a chance to know the truth, and you turned your back on it. What's the greater sin? Well, you know, that, that's the question that each and every one of us has to explore. I mean, yeah. that is the question uh, that people are challenged. I mean, this is where people are going right now. I know that you know it. I know that I see it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tell by the books that are hitting the market, the books that are best-selling books, uh, books that are so out of the, quote, mainstream. What we like to say about this show and uh, in, in all of the shows that we do uh, on the Dr. Pat show, we are the new mainstream. And yeah. I know the work that you do and the shows that you produce bring a different conversation to the table and really don't exclude anyone from joining. That's true. Yeah, we, we have people uh, on, the, on my show, as I know you do, 
who bring ideas to the table that I personally might go away from the show saying, I don't buy that. That's okay. I don't have to buy it. But if we're not willing to put these ideas out there on the table and discuss them, how will people ever have the freedom to make a choice? And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what my show is about. We have no agenda. And, um, you know, we, I bring people on that uh, I've had, you've probably had this happen. I've had people on my show, just one or two, uh, that uh, when it was over, my personal thought about it was this guy needs to see a doctor. <laughs> really? Uh, most of them, no. Most of them, you know, I, I understand what they're, where they're coming from, but I've had one or two that I really thought needed professional help. Uh, but you don't know that until you put it on the table and talk about it. And that's right. And that's what we want to do right now. For any of you out there that would like to weigh in on this conversation and bring some of the questions that you have to the table, you could do it right here on bbsradio.com. Let me give you that number, 1-877-876-5227. That's 877-876-5227. We'll bring you right on. If you've got questions, comments, if you've read the book, uh, would like to make a statement about it, uh, we're here to answer those questions. Uh, this is the Street Smart Spirituality Hour with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and my guest, internationally uh, renowned Kevin Smith, talk radio host and host of his hit show, The Kevin Smith Show. Now, I've got my Bible out in front of me, Kevin. Did you expect that to happen? That's <laughs> fine. It's fine. No problem. I'll I have to tell you, I didn't expect it to happen. Uh, <laughs> but I want to get back to something that you said because... Um, and I want to make sure that everyone out there knows that we're talking about Kevin's book, God's in the Garden. Uh, and really what we're creating is an invitation. It's an invitation for, for folks out there to really take a look at the way that Kevin presents uh, the Bible to us, pretty much, and to present it in the words that were actually printed. I think there's an example that you use in the book as you're taking us on this journey, Kevin, and you... You ask us, uh, can, we, can you see how devastating the actual words of the Bible are to the theologies taught by professional religionists? And we've been talking about that. But then you actually point to Genesis, uh, Genesis 1-2, right? You actually point to, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And you ask us to explore this and then sort of give us another perspective. Okay, uh, let's take Genesis 1, 1, and 2. They right. kind of go together. Or they seem to go together. Um, in, in the first verse, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Well, remember, that's English. Uh, this originally was written, but uh, all, all of the uh, very conservative uh, theologians who say they believe every word of the Bible. Yeah. They say they say Moses wrote this. Okay. When it was originally written, it was written in ancient Hebrew. And so, uh, to find out what it says, let's find out what does what did Moses write. Well, then in verse two there, when it says, "And the earth was without form and void," the word that's translated was. The Hebrew word that Moses wrote is Hayah. And it does not mean was. 
the, tra- the, the translation, the definition is became. So what we have is in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth became formless and void. Something happened to it. Um, a moment ago, uh, Dr. Pat, I mentioned that the very first verse of Genesis blows the Christian let me change that. The standard religionist version of the creation story. The right. one that everybody debates. Uh, it blows it right out of the water. Because the standard story says God created everything. He did it in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. That's right. Well, verse 1 says that's not true. Because the six days don't begin till verse 3. In the beginning, whenever that was, go all the way back to whenever was the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. It existed prior to those six days, and something caused it to become formless and void. It it doesn't tell us what, but there was some kind of great global cataclysm that wiped out the earth. And your six days of creation are all recreation. And in fact, when it says in, in Hebrew, when it says, uh, and God said, let there be light. Yes. In Hebrew, it's, and God said, let there again be light. You in know. Original language. It, it, original language is so important. I mean, you know, we, we know this from Aramaic. I mean, we know of the multiple translations mm-hmm. that, you know, the scriptures have gone through. Yeah. And so I think what's happening is. We're having um, people like you, Kevin, come to the table and say, let's take a look at the meaning the way it was written. And when you hear the change, and, and you just was, this was brilliant the way that you just demonstrated what? A change in one or two words. Mm-hmm. And we know in the English language that when you change one or two words, you can change the meaning of something beyond any exponential explanation that we can, that we can talk about in this show. And so are you then opening the door up for yet another interpretation? Well, there is interpretation if you want to go to that. It's like, uh, should you put diesel or gasoline in your car? Oh, we could do a show on that. (laughs) Interpretation, there's there's gasoline, and and I would say gasoline is uh, is, is simply, just just read it. Just translate the words, read it. Uh, and, and diesel would be like interpretation. The difference is if, for instance, whenever I read this, what's actually there in the original language, and the earth became formless and void. What does that mean? It means the earth became formless and void. It means what it says. Interpretation would be if I were to say, well, now, you know, here's, here's the, that, that's an allegory, and it's an example of what happens if you get away from God. You, you become, like, empty and formless, and, you know, it takes a special activity of God to fill you up. That's what this story is about. Uh-huh. That's interpretation. Exactly. That's theology, and that's fiction. And let me ask you one more thing here. And just think about this. All right. Our listeners... People who are listening to us right now, some of them are from my show, the majority probably from your show. They read the newspaper, many of them, every day. 
And I would like to ask them, after they read the newspaper, do they immediately jump up, run out, find a professional journalist, and get him to explain to them what all that means? No. Why? Because we're not stupid. We can read what it says. It says what it says. Why do we take that attitude with the Bible? Well, I can't understand it. I have to get the priest to tell me, or I have to get my pastor to tell me. I'm not stupid. I can read. I know it says what it says. Now, the problem is it says things that are so wild and so fantastic that it goes way beyond anything Star Wars ever imagined, and it doesn't fit with what we think God is supposed to be and what we think uh, holy things are supposed to be about. Uh-huh, right. And therefore, we go get the pros to fit it into their template for us. But it says what it says, and there's no interpretation needed. That's really the essence of what you're doing here in the book, God's in the Garden, uh, Kevin, isn't it? I it mean, is. what you're providing is, um, uh, you know, f- fact. You're, you're merely, and I say merely, uh, don't take this in the wrong way, but what you're doing is you're going back and really saying to people, look it, this is what was really said. Mm-hmm. Now, compare okay. what was really said to what you're reading. Mm-hmm. And we're very bright people. You know what I'm saying? That's right. We're very bright. Everyone listening to the show, all of the people now living in the question, all of the people, by the way, questioning the news, mm-hmm. we are pretty bright. And so I think what you're saying is once I share this with you, the rest is up to you. That's it. That's it. Look, anybody, see, most people these days have gotten to the point where they don't read the Bible because they've just given up. They're tired of hearing all the fiction. And, you know, they say, yeah, 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 okay, all right. He did it in six days. Well, look, it doesn't claim that. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then it was destroyed. Well, how long a period of time did it exist before it got destroyed? I don't know. But I can tell you that it certainly allows for that four and a half billion years that the earth has undeniably been around. Uh, It doesn't say how long, but at some point it got destroyed. Here's another thing. You ever wonder about, you know, he created Adam and Eve? Yes, I do wonder about that, actually. (laughs) All right, here's the interesting thing about that. If you just read, even without my book, you'll discover that when you get to day six, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and in the image of God, well, let me just let me just read that. I'm, I'm misquoting it. It's in uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and uh, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now this is all on day six. It's quite interesting that on day seven, God rests. After day seven... The Lord God comes along and says, hmm, there's not anybody to till the ground. What happened to those people on day six? Well, I mean, if that's Adam and Eve, then they should be around. 
But after day seven, you get into chapter two of Genesis, after day seven, sometime after, could be um, millions of years after, we don't know. The Lord God says there's not anybody to till the ground. So he creates Adam. Then he plants a garden. The garden has to grow up so that it's good for food. Then he puts Adam in the garden. This is all in your Bible. That's right. Then Adam has to name all the animals. That probably took a little while. Then astounding things happen. The Lord God, according to Genesis, Genesis doesn't call it genetic engineering because that terminology was not around. But it describes it. He caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He takes from his side a rib or tissue. It actually says rib. Some people say, well, that can't be. Anyway, it says rib. He takes it, and then in the Hebrew it says, and from this rib he built Eve. Now, that's genetic engineering. He used the rib, genetic material, to build the woman. Right. Uh, this would be a kind of, a, a, kind of a, a consolation for a lot of women who think that maybe, you know, they have kind of not a real good status. They're <laughs> they not quite equal. Look, uh, Adam was built from dirt. Women were not. That would be very helpful to a lot of people uh, listening to the show. I want to just remind everyone you're listening to the Street Smart Spirituality Hour with me, Dr. Pack, and my guest, internationally renowned uh, talk radio show host, Kevin Smith. And, Kevin, by the way, you have a show coming up in, uh, uh, at the top of the hour, don't you? Yeah, I go on the, I go on the air uh, as soon as we are off the air. As soon as your show is over, I'm on. And how can how can folks uh, folks tune into that? Um, well, if uh, the easiest way to get started is just go over to kevinsmithshow.com, and you can listen live on the internet. Now, if you happen to be around where uh, some of the affiliate stations for Global Star uh, Radio Network happen to be, if you if you're near one of the affiliate stations, you can listen on the radio. Uh, if you have a satellite receiver, you can listen off of the satellite. We're on Star 5, and um, uh, that's the way to do it. All or right. That would be on the other side of the planet, you can listen on Ghost Radio Network out of Australia. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to uh, save uh, this piece for the, the sort of the end of the show because uh, the question that you ask, and let me just give everyone a flavor of the book so they know. I'm talking about God, God's in the Garden. Of course, Kevin Smith is the author. Let me just give you a sense by giving you a flavor uh, through the table of contents. Uh, of course, Chapter 1, and Kevin and I have talked a little bit about this already, uh, a never-ending fight. Then he goes on to talk about a fictional faith. Uh, he goes on to ask questions around what a wonderful world. But by the time you get to Chapter 5, and this is, this is a chapter I want to talk with you about, uh, you're really asked the question, who is the creator? Now, we're going to talk about that a minute because the, the very fact that you even ask the question, who is the creator, in a number of religious practices already puts you on the dark side of the table. <laughs> well, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I know for myself, I asked that question at a very young age, and I, I can't even remember how many Hail Marys and Our Fathers I had to say. But you go on then to talk about 
uh, human beings, the great divide, of course, Adam, which we've just tested, uh, uh, we talked about, and then the mystery of the mind, which we'll get to in a minute. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is when you come out in Chapter 5 and ask the question, who is the creator? Mm-hmm. What are you hoping that people walk away with? From reading that chapter, without giving the whole chapter away, if you want to get, if you want to buy the book, you can definitely get that from Kevin's website, of course. Right. Um, well, in general terms, freedom. And again, let me go back to the kangaroo story. Don't you think if you had been brought up believing that you're a kangaroo, when obviously you're not, it would be a bit of freedom to discover the truth about what you really are and where you really came from. Uh-huh. Then you you could quit hopping around and eat something besides berries and grass. You would be uh, you'd be free then. The same is true for us. In Genesis chapter one, there are thirty one verses. Thirty one times, your English translation uses the word God. That's right. Times, yeah. How many times do you think? The original language uses that word in chapter one. I think this is this is the the the, the point in the book that just blew me away. Yeah, what zero. we're talking about right here. Yeah, I mean zero. Zero. When Moses wrote he in in chapter one. Not not one single time does Moses say God. Hmm. It's God's plural. It's a race of beings. Now look before we get into this, folks, listen. Don't take your modern-day definition and concept of God or gods and try to reimpose it back on this document that is thousands of years old, because their concept was not what you've been taught. All right, so it was a race of beings, and they are called Elohim. Now, when you take a Hebrew word and you put I-M or Im on the end of it, you've just made it plural. For instance, we have the word God, and in English we put an S at the end. That makes it plural. The word that appears 31 times in 31 verses of chapter 1 that is translated God in your Bible is not what Moses wrote. He wrote God's. So you had a race of beings doing all this six days of creation. They're not seen as supreme beings. Uh, the, the ancients viewed them as superior beings. Not supreme, but superior. But they have a boss. They have a leader. They have a king, if you will. And the words that are used to identify that one is uh, Jehovah Adonai, or Yahweh Adonai. And it, it's translated Lord God. When you get finished with chapter 1 and you get into chapter 2, you no longer see uh, this word God. You see the Lord God. So it's on, on day 6 you have male and female created. But consider he doesn't uh, Moses doesn't tell us that the gods breathed into them the breath of life. He doesn't he, he does tell us their diet. Their diet is go forage throughout the earth. He tells us their job description, which is have sex and make babies. That's what it says in Genesis. But when you get to Adam, it's the boss god. And the gods don't appear anymore. It's the boss god who creates Adam, the Lord God. 
And something like 12 times in chapter 2, it refers to the Lord God in relationship to creating Adam or speaking with Adam. It's the Lord God, not the gods. Um, and he, with Adam, the Lord God breathes into him the breath of life. Whatever that is, the purpose, and it says it in Genesis, is so that he will have the mental capacity to learn agriculture, to tend the garden. And whatever it is, you know, we have 223 genes in our genome that the geneticists have told us have no evolutionary predecessors. That's right. I mean, they're not from this planet. They did not evolve here. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, and, and don't you find, though, that, uh, that we know that they didn't evolve here? And we're really kind of dancing uh, on the edge. We're really not. We're really not willing to have a conversation about that, are we? I am. Well, yeah, um. you and I are having it, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Yes, people are nervous about saying God is an extraterrestrial. A few people are not, and uh, but most people are. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, for those of you that are not familiar with the Bible or haven't looked at a Bible in a very long time you'll find that the minute that you hit chapter 2, and what's called chapter 2 in, in at least the Bible that I have, yeah. and you, you go through 2-2, two, 2-3, two, two, when you get to 2-4, you, you, you move from, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctioned it, because in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. And you move to the next person. We are now. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day. In the day that the Lord God made the earth, and that's what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. That switch. Um, you know, in all of this, Kevin. Uh, and, and again, folks, I want to make sure that you know how to get a copy of the book. What's the best best way for for people to uh, purchase a copy of the book, Kevin? Really, the best way right now is go to my website. There are a few other websites carrying it, and uh, we're going to move the book to an international publisher who will republish it. It'll be the same book, uh, and then uh, they can get it at Amazon and, and Barnes and & Noble and things like that. But right now, uh, the best way to get it is uh, just um, go to my website, kevinsmithshow.com, and you'll see a picture of the book on the website. Just click on that, and it'll take you to, uh, to to our online store where you can get it. What has been the most controversy that you have gotten from the book? Has it been, well, wait a minute, Kevin. Yeah, you know what? That's not exactly the way Moses said that. I mean, what, what are some of the things that uh, people are saying? I know that I've pulled off the testimonials, the things that people love about the book, and, and if, if you go in here, you, you, can, you can really go to the website and take a look at this. But what have been, in your opinion, where you've had most, to put the most, most energy? Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the most controversial, two things. The most controversial thing is that, I just said it, God is an extraterrestrial. If yeah, you that'll believe do Genesis, it. Yeah, okay? that'll do it. Yeah, well, think about it. Is God from here? Well, by definition, no. If God is not from this earth, he is, by definition, an off-worlder. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He is an extraterrestrial. He is an off-worlder. Uh, if he's from here, 
then he is terrestrial, and uh, he's, he's not that supernatural thing that everybody believes in. He has to be extraterrestrial if he created it. If, if, if he's responsible for creating the Earth, the Earth is from him, he's an extraterrestrial. If he's from the Earth, then he's not an extraterrestrial, but he also cannot possibly be uh, the concept that people have of an omni omnipresent God, everywhere present. So he has to be extraterrestrial. Uh, does that mean that he is an alien that looks like uh, the stuff you see on TV? No, I didn't say that. I just said he's extraterrestrial. Now, the second thing is that the Bible definitely says something happened in the garden that made us more than human. And, you know, it, uh, you get taught. You've, you've had this Bible waved in your face and you've been taught that when Adam and Eve ate off of that forbidden tree, they fell, they sinned. And then we've got to go through all this stuff the religionists tell us to go through in order to get back up where God will take us to heaven. That's right. Well, the problem with that is that's not in Genesis. In Genesis, the reptile comes to Eve and says, Did God tell you he can't eat off of that tree? And it was not a snake, by the way. It was upright head legs. Part of its curse was that God took away the use of its legs and made it crawl. So this reptile speaks to Eve, and uh, did God really tell you you'll die? She said, well, yeah, we can't eat off of this tree or, or touch it, because we'll, in the day we do, we'll die. And the reptile says, you know, that's not, that's not true. He just, he just told you that. What will really happen is you'll become as gods. That was the temptation. The temptation was a step up. Adam and Eve fully knew and were aware that they were a worker race. And when they ate off of that tree, that would no longer be true. They would become as gods. They would step up from being a worker race. So they ate. So what happens? What's, we'll cut to the chase. What happens? Well, it really ticks God off, uh, the Lord God, and he punishes each of them. Uh, but, and it would be Adam, Eve, and the serpent. He punishes them. But then he goes another step further and says, now they are become as gods. So they have to leave the garden. Now here's why, and this is controversial, but it's in Genesis. I'm not making it up. It plainly states it. He had given the death penalty for eating off that tree. If he did not exact that penalty, he couldn't be the boss god anymore. It means he's not the boss. They've become Elohim now. And if they eat off of the tree of life, I don't know what that is, but he says it's in the garden. He says, then they'll live forever. And I said they would have a death penalty. So it would have, it would have nullified his authority. Well, I so think the, we're quite familiar with how that works. And yeah. it does make sense to a lot of people, Kevin. Um, uh, you know, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for joining the show today and um, really putting on the table um, a book that will allow people to really explore and really move beyond the box that they're in. And whether or not, you know, you, you want to believe in what Kevin has written, I will tell you that he lays this book out in a way that you can look at it and create your own questions. But one thing for sure 
if you're if if you believe that the the translation that Kevin has provided is correct, and so far everyone has said it is, then it really opens the door for a larger question question about religion and religion practices. And so, Kevin, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been absolutely a joy. Uh, and don't forget, go to Kevin's website and want to give that out one last time? Sure, kevinsmithshow.com. There you go. And, Kevin, we'll see you on air, and I think next time I will be on the other side of the table, and we'll be having another fabulous conversation. You go have yourself a great show. Thank you for joining us here. I want to thank bbsradio.com for coming to the table and bringing this network to so many people. And this is the network where you get to explore all of the things that you are too afraid to explore in the privacy of your own home. You get to say it here. You get to do it here. You get to be it here. I want to thank all of the folks pushing the buttons behind the scene. This is Dr. Pat. We'll see you next week right here on bbsradio.com. Don't forget next week, Mary Jo McCabe. We're opening those phone lines early. Have yourselves a great, great day. See you next week. You have been listening to BBS Radio, a blogandservice.com production and a service to others endeavor. Thank you very much for tuning in to our radio program, and we wish you much peace and joy on your journey.